So today I'm going to be doing the rounds with promoter Eddie Hearn. How are you doing in lockdown, Eddie? Uh, I was just talking to you off camera. I've been doing some homeschooling and uh, I, need to, I need to do six threes on the bag later, to be honest with you, because okay. I can't handle this much longer. Give me How boxing, give me normality. It's, uh, yeah. How involved do you get in the homeschooling? What's the toughest question you've been asked so far by your kids? It's not, it's not even the questions. It's just the attitude. You know, and I know I was exactly the same, but all those years where my mum used to sit down and say, concentrate, you know, look, there's the, I'm, I see myself just morphing into that same person, you know, it's incredibly frustrating. And actually the only thing I will take from this is the aggravation and the stress of boxing and the business. But don't say it too loudly. It's nothing compared <laughs> to looking after the kids. Shh. Yeah. Shh. We are doing the rounds, six three-minute rounds. The aim of the game is to answer as many questions as you can in that three minutes, which for you, That's, I yeah. mean, this is going to be a challenge in itself, isn't it? It's going to be a major challenge. I mean, in fact, the producer said, we, want sh we don't want short answers, but we don't want long answers. I'm like, well, I only do long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, so right, three, minutes in three minutes in total. Three minutes in total per round, six-minute rounds. Oh, right, per round. Okay, cool. cool. Okay, I'll try my best. Right, round one, life before boxing. Here we go. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I wanted to be a sportsman. So I wanted to be a footballer uh, or a cricketer. I was actually quite good at cricket and I was terrible at football. I was just the big lummox up front that you'd boot the ball to and I'd have like eight people just sort of, I had no speed, nothing. I, but I was all heart, all heart. But I wanted to be a professional athlete. What was your earliest childhood memory? Um, of, of boxing or just in general? Anything, just in general. Um, I think probably a lot of cricket. Uh, I played cricket for Essex for about eight years, from sort of under 10s up to under 18s. And we did a lot of tours around the world. So we toured to Hong Kong, we toured to Barbados. Um, you know, we toured all around the country as well. And that, that was some of my great memories where, you know, I would go out to bat and we, I think we were playing like Barbados under 15s. And it was like on a track that was just like cracked everywhere. And it was about 120 degrees. And these balls were just whizzing past their heads. So a lot of good memories playing sport when I was younger. And also memories of just hounding my dad, really, when he was at home and sitting in the study with him while he was on the phone all hours talking about boxing, talking about snooker. And me just sort of with a football or a cricket ball just thrown out in the air waiting for him to get off the phone. You might have answered this next question. Were you a mummy's boy or a daddy's boy? Um... Like, my mum was always the boss, so I always felt like I could manipulate my dad. Um, <laughs> but at a certain point, that would backfire quite against me. But I would, like, I think, although my dad is, like, my best friend, I think I would say I was probably a mummy's boy. What was your happiest childhood memory? Um, again, probably the sport, and probably just, like, following my dad around, really. Because when I was growing up, probably from the ages of eight to sort of 14, 15, he was all over the world. And, and really that was the time when, the only time I got to spend with him when I was on his coattails. So the happiest times would be like traveling with him. You know, I remember when Johnny Nelson beat Marcus Bott in Germany. And I think I was about 12 or something like that. And, you know, it was just an amazing night. Johnny was getting booed throughout the whole crowd. We was in the ring after. And I was like, just in the change room after swear, people were swearing, celebrating, drinking, you know, going out. And I was sort of like just watching, watching and just following him around all the time, you know, and 
didn't matter whether we was in Sheffield or we was in Hong Kong. We went once when Herbie Hyde was supposed to fight Tommy Morrison for the world title. And my dad had to pull the show at the weigh-in because the Hong Kong government hadn't paid their money. So, or the investor, whoever it was, and I was screaming and shouting and threatening. And I was sort of like, Dad, Dad, what's going on? Shut up, son. Shut up. You know, but that was probably, for me, sport growing up. My dad pushed me into all sports. But probably just following around and watching the drama unfold. You've got five seconds. Who was on your wall as a kid? Who, who, what were the posters on your wall? Uh, boxing, Sugar Ray Leonard. Childhood crush? Probably like uh, Neighbours, like uh, Neighbours, was it, you know, Kylie Minogue or was it Annalise or I can't remember what her Annalise. name was. Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> so that was like, I wanted to watch that. They, they were back in the days where everybody would turn on the TV at 5.30 to watch Neighbours. You know, now, no on-demand yeah. stuff. It's if you missed it, you missed it. So, yeah, Wait, it's probably... Neighbours, then Home and Away, or Home and Away, then yeah. Neighbours? I think it's yeah. Home and Away, then Neighbours, I think. Five and then 5.30. We're moving on to round two, career in boxing. Let's go. Uh, your standout fight so far as a promoter? Um, probably, like, growing up, I remember watching a fight with Michael Brody against Injin Chi for the uh, WBC World title at the GMEX Centre. The best fight I've ever seen live. But I think it's difficult to, although I was probably too entwined in, in the whole event, to, to not say Joshua against Klitschko at Wembley, because I think that will go down as, as history evolves as one of the greatest nights and fights of all time. So for is me... That, I, is that your career high so far? So far? No, you know, it, it was, but I think as you, as you evolve in, in a business or in a sport, sometimes you lose a little bit of the rawness. So it becomes a little bit more as a, another moment. So I tend to look at the earlier moments and particularly Darren Barker's win over Daniel Gill for the world title in Atlantic City, where I look back at pictures and I just think, you, you did not have a clue. You know, what were you doing? You were in a waistcoat with trousers. Like, what's the first thing? What, what was that? You look like a snooker player. But I would just, I looked at my, you know, and back then, and I'm jealous of those, those days, because back then it was just us against the world. And it was, it was so raw. It was so much, and there's still passion, but sort of with success becomes responsibility. And back then it was just, who are we? You know, we would turn up at events in America and I would talk at the press conference and I could see people looking at me going, who's this little kid? And it was just, it just felt like, and, and that goes same for Kel Brook against Sean Porter, you know, in Los Angeles when we went over there and turned him over and, and broke through the welterweight division. So many great nights. Frotch Bute, you know, same thing, running in the ring, just absolutely clueless what I was Next doing. Question. Sorry. Next question. You need to get better at this three minutes, Eddie. Come oh, on. Fine, I've got so much to tell you. T toughest deal that you've done? What's the toughest deal so far? Um, Joshua Ruiz rematch, which ironically was a deal that was already done. But I think, you know, that was the... I hate to get lawyers involved and I hate to go down that route. I'd just rather work things out man to man. But that was a situation where we could not afford for the career of Anthony Joshua to let that opportunity pass. So that was awkward because we already had a deal in place, but the, you know, the dynamics of Saudi Arabia, the rematch, uh, the belts, the mandatories, the governing bodies, et cetera, et cetera. And also I have to say, George Groves against Carl Froch too. Now that was the toughest deal I've ever had to make. Scrap, the, scrap Joshua Ruiz. George Groves and Carl Froch were brutal on that deal. They would not give an inch. I was phoning Carl Froch up in Dubai he wouldn't pick up the phone to me. 
because he knew I had to make the fight. I was under so much pressure from the public to make that fight. And he wouldn't pick the phone. I had to phone his room at about five o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know what time it was. And I know his, his, uh, Rachel picked up the phone. Oh, I'm really sorry. It's cold there. You know, and I'd Groves wouldn't even speak to me. That one was by far the toughest fight I've ever had to make. All right, we're going to scrap the three minutes on this one because I've got too many questions. Yeah, leave, leave the three minutes. Um, one fighter that you wished you'd signed. One fighter. I mean, I've had a chance to sign some great fight. Like, you know, what's, I was talking. What's like, the one that got away? I mean, you could say Tyson Fury. You know, you could. I, I had a chance to sign him. I was in Monaco. I think I could have signed him. I didn't want to give him the fights that he wanted to take at the time because I thought it was just too much money and the fights weren't good enough. And I probably should have done it, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, I, look, I looked at him and I thought, you ain't, you ain't ever going to come back anyway. Look at the size of you. But oh, he surprised everybody how wrong I was, you know. So Fury's definitely, definitely up there. And there, there's a few others, a few American guys that I probably had the chance to sign as well. What about three fighters that are on your sort of wish list at the moment? And what are the three fighters that you want to sign? We've got everyone, haven't we? I mean, I think when, when you look worldwide, like, if, I could, if I could sign three fighters right now in the world, yeah. I would sign Tyson Fury. I would sign Ryan Garcia. Yeah. And I would sign Javonta Davis. I think, be... yeah, and I and then then I'd have Haney, Garcia, and Javante Davis, and I would do Devin Haney against Ryan Garcia, and the winner can fight Javante Davis. And obviously, lowest if we had moment... uh, lowest moment of your career, uh, well, first one was Audley Harrison against David Hay, but it's hard to say because that was really the first one of the first nights of my career. Um, another one, uh, two really. One was the passing of Patrick Day. Uh, this year, and although he wasn't a matchroom fighter, sorry, October last year, that that was that was a horrible moment. And the other one was Joshua losing to Andy Ruiz. I think that was that was one of those moments where I left the arena after the press conference. It was about four o'clock in the morning, and I just thought I'm going to walk back to the hotel, like across Manhattan. And I think it was about three or four miles back to my hotel, and I was just walking past Brits coming up to me, going, Eddie. We'd had a few beers. What happened, mate? And I was just thinking, oh. And I got back to the hotel room. Sorry, I know we're not on the three minutes. And then my kids were leaving on the early flight in the morning. So I didn't go to sleep. And they left at about six o'clock in the morning with my wife. And I had to stay out in New York to do Gennady Golovkin's fight week. And it didn't really hit me till about Tuesday. And I was just like, I felt like I'd just come down with like solid flu. You know, at the time, you sort of just work for it. Yes, yeah, like brave face, go around to the AJ. Well, a rematch. And then, and then all of a sudden, it was like hard to get out of bed. So that was, it, that was, yeah, that was a tough moment. It was a huge shock for everyone. But also, did, did you sense something wasn't quite right with Anthony? Not, not really, because fighters don't really, like, although we're very close and we're a strong part of the team, what happens in camp generally stays in camp. And there are... And it's nothing to do with sparring and it's nothing to do with panic attacks. But there are reasons that he wasn't firing on all cylinders that night. And actually, I only, found, I only really find them out now. He will never tell you and he would hate for me to tell you. And it's nothing that's going to make you go, oh, you know, but he just doesn't want any excuses. You know, you've seen it with Deontay Wilder. He would, 
if if I told you or started giving you excuses as to why he lost that fight, he would be he would give me a telling off. You know what I mean? Because it's done. It's, it's over. Yeah, but it's done. It's over. No problem. I lost. Doesn't matter why I lost. I lost. So I'll take it on the chin. And I think, you know, it's only when I look back now, knowing what was wrong, that I, I can look in his face and the highlights and go, you knew you weren't 100%, didn't you? But all fight week, everything was fine. Smiling, you know, you were there. There's no, at no point on fight week did anyone go, oh, he don't really see himself, you know. But looking back now on fight like just something in the eye that says, not best prepared here. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Mm. Final one before we move on. We've really gone over this one. Oh, my terrible, bad. terrible time to keeping. Um, Frank Warren, ever had a chat or a laugh with him? Never, never spoken to him in my life. Remarkable. In fact, in fact, I'll just I'll finish this. So the only one time, it's quite a funny story actually. So I came out of a meeting with Sky, with Adam Smith, I think it was Barney Francis, and we'd just done a new Sky deal. And I was literally, I turned left out of the restaurant and I was walking down the road and I had my briefcase and I was obviously quite happy. And I was just going, for some reason and as i've looked up in front of me 10 yards in front of me is frank outside a restaurant on the phone and it was one of those really awkward moments where it's like do we shake hands and he sort of looked at me i looked at me and i just went all right frank <laughs> that's it and walked off and that's like the only time we spoke i do speak with a couple of their their team and, and francis as well the son but if we need to do business this is the thing, right? Surely that's going to have to be put to one yeah, side. That, if that will be. Happens at the or... end of the day, we know from their side, there's three people involved with Tyson Fury, right? MTK, Top Rank, and Frank Warren. So they've, they've kind of like agreed amongst themselves that all three of those must be um, there and present when we have a proper chat. So at some point, we will have to talk. And I have no problem on the phone, face-to-face. -face. I'm not going to let a fight like that slip away because, you know, we don't talk. Let's move on to round three and try and stick to time. Life after boxing, let's go. What's the end goal for you? Good question. Good question. I don't know. I, I think, um, and I, I don't think it would, I think it would be bad news for me to have an end goal because I'm never happy with what I do. I never sit back. I'm my own biggest self-critic. So I, I never look at stuff. Like when we did Joshua Klitschko, people just said, I've never, like, I didn't even, I mean, I think, it, I knew it was good. But there's lots of things I could have improved on the night. And, and I never looked back and sat back at that night and said, it is a bit sad, but it's what keeps me motivated and driven. So I think the moment that I say, I fucking achieved that, that's it. That's the pinnacle for me. But do you, you, know, do you set the bar there and then move the bar? Do you like, if I get no, to there, no, I'll be happy? Set, I don't want to set the bar because I always want to be striving for greatness. And I want to try and say to myself, that's not good. Like, there's no bar because I would never be satisfied with a bar. So it's not, you know, the bar was always, oh, if you could get a TV deal in America, well, that's the ultimate. All right, I've done that. But how do I start doing stadium fights in America? 60, 70,000. You know, then how do we change the face of boxing in the Middle East? How do we do an event in the Far East in China? Okay, we're doing Italy, Spain. Why aren't you in Canada? Why aren't you in Germany? You know, th this is just the, the, the sick way that my mind works. And it, it, you know, it doesn't, it's not a, a model or a formula that everybody should use. But for me, I don't want to set any bar because I'm not happy with a bar. I'm always chasing, you know, we can pretend there's a bar there and I'll just keep flicking it up every time I get close. It's a bit like the high jump, but there are no bars. You know, right. it, it, it's, it's no limit. 
boxing or branch out? Boxing or branch out? Yes, yeah, stay in boxing or branch out. I'll branch sports, out. No, I'll definitely, I have to, I have to branch out. I mean, you know, you know, my old man had another heart attack recently. He's back on the men now, but at some point he's going to give me the reins. And we've got big, we've got plans in football and particularly music. Um, you know, I think what I'm trying to do in boxing is to, to make it less dependent on me a little bit. You know, you have little Frankie Smith, my protege, who is coming through a couple of press conferences. I mean, he's an amazing operator. He's just got to have the same kind of chit chat as me, which will come in time. <laughs> but, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be Bob Aaron. You know, I don't want to be 88 years old with one facet to my business. Frank Warren, same. You know, if boxing goes wrong, there's nothing else. So for me, you know, we've seen what we've done in snooker and darts, but I believe we have an, an ability and a talent to bring people together for great live TV and great live events. So that, that I've got plenty of plans, certainly none of which will fit in three minutes. Finish this sentence. We've got about 15 seconds left. If you weren't working in boxing, I would be doing... I would be in, I would be in the stock markets. I would be in the city. Uh, that was what I was always going to do. A lot of my friends ended up doing that, and that is where I'll be. Interesting. I can actually see you doing that on the yeah, old or selling or selling double glazing or, or cars. One of the two. Yeah, which which so is probably try to like. make it in the city. And if I didn't make it in the city, use car salesman or double glazing. Right. We're moving on. Personal life. Um, when you aren't working, you're doing what? I'm um, walking the dog. I'm taking the kids out to uh, trampolining, to rock climbing, to whatever we can do. Um, and I'm also in the gym when I can. Are you? Yeah, come on. <laughs> what, what kind of dad are you? <laughs> Very hands-on. Um, like I'm the guy who, when you shouldn't be doing something, so like when it's like, eight o'clock at night and the kids will go, should you go for a walk, Dad? And I'll go, yeah, come on then, let's go over the woods or something like that. And my wife will say, what are you doing? No, you can't do that. But because I'm not here a lot, I just try and cram in as much as I can to the time that I'm here, which obviously doesn't work for schedules and stuff like that. But, you know, I like, I like to spoil them when I'm here. So, and that's not really just sit at home and watch TV. That's going out, you know, whether it's, to the woods or to a dog walk or trampolining or rock climbing or bowling or arcades, you know, so cinema. What's your worst characteristic or trait, do you think? Um, I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. My patience on things that I don't deem important. Classic example, DIY or putting something together. I mean, I actually put a tent in the garden the other day and we, we were trying to camp out, but it didn't really work out. Yeah, but Honestly, that's not hard now, is it? You just pop them up. Well, yeah, but that's still, like, to me, it was like, I'm, the, I'm that person that goes, right, put part one into, oh, leave it, leave it. You know, that's a really bad trait. Bit of a procrastinator, which means I'll do it tomorrow, you know. Basically, anything that's important, I will do then and there. And anything that's not, I will tend to put off. And that's a bad trait. Who, who or what annoys you? Oh, bad timekeeping. That annoys me. That really what? annoys me. And actually, my timekeeping is not as good as it used to be. 
but that is one thing. Punctuality annoys me. If people aren't punctual, that would annoy me. No, got a better one. No manners. That annoys me. Yes. People are rude in restaurants to people. And you know when you let someone down the road, right, when you're driving, and you pull over and let them through, if they don't acknowledge you or say thank you, oh, I can't, no, or you open a door for someone, walk straight through. I, I say, thank you, thank you, mate. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, good, you? Nice one. And I'll do the same in a car. So, okay, mate, come through. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks. No, no problem. Yeah, no, no, have a good day, yeah. And then just drive off. We run out of time. I'm going to ask you this one anyway. Your favourite uh, no context her line? You cheeky little <laughs> But no, I, think, I think my favourite one is don't let the get you down. That's, that's, that's a good one. Mike Randall always used to say that's a yeah. good one. Right, let's move on to fantasy round. This is round five. Um, if you could match two fighters, anyone, past or present, dream matchup, who would it be? Mike Tyson against Muhammad Ali. Because? Just out of curiosity, really. I mean, now when you look back at Muhammad Ali's career, and actually if you watch the fights that he was in, people don't realise how durable he was and how much punishment he could absorb. And it's one of the greatest things about Ali is actually his durability and his toughness. People talk about his footwork and his movement and his, you know, his personality. But his toughness and his durability was so underrated. And for me, there is still that element of doubt when I look at Mike Tyson's resume. I mean, you, this guy was an animal. He was complete. But how good? Because when he had a lot of his up bigger fights, he was spent or he was not the fighter that he was. You know, the Lennox Lewis fights, you know, the Holyfield fights. You know, when you looked at him against, I don't know, Carl uh, the Truth Williams or Spinks or um, Tony Tucker. I mean, well, I know that went points. But, you know, those, those kind of guys, those kind of fighters, Trevor Burbick. But how good were Burbick and Williams and, and Tucker? And, you know, so I wish that almost Tyson came around in the same era as Holyfield and Bo and Lewis in his total prime. But I would love, but for me, Tyson was still the best heavyweight of that era. And I would like to have seen him fight Muhammad Ali. Who would play you in a film? Tom Cruise. Oh, come on. But he's about five foot two. Well, who else would I say? I don't know. I mean, only because I used to watch Jerry Maguire and think, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, um, I don't know who else. Like, obviously, I have to be someone very handsome. Okay, um, who, 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 if you could be one person to sit ringside with you in the whole entire world, who would your dream ringside guest be? Well, I, me and me and Justin Bieber, you know, we were we were sitting next You've to each other. You've already had that, though, haven't you? I'm just saying, just throwing that one out there. Um, who would I love to sit next to? Oh, do you know what? I, I, I do think Conor McGregor's the nuts, but he did. He was, although I wasn't sitting next to him. He was right by me for, for a show we did with Katie Taylor that he kindly came over for. Will we ever see you in a fight? Ringside no. or in a ring? Never in a ring. I mean, like, I, I had three amateur fights and I was absolutely dreadful. So, and the problem is now, right, where I've watched quite a bit of white collar stuff. I'm 17 and a half stone, right? And I can't fight. If I box someone that heavy who could fight, I would get absolutely cleaned out. And it wouldn't just be like, you know, stopped on my feet. It would be a spectacular KO. One that could also be quite dangerous. So let's just leave that and park that idea up, you know? So I'm going to swerve that. And yeah, no is the answer.
I'm just finding one more question. Um, who bugs you the most for tickets? Who's who's when there was a big oh, fight on? Oh. Who's one person? It's not even close. Naz. Naz. Right? And it's probably <laughs> my fault, because I said to Naz, Naz, you know you've always got a ticket for our shows, right? Which he has, but not when you call me on the morning of the fight or the night before, right? So the text will come through and it'll go, Eddie, just like four on your row, mate. And I'm like, and I'll be so busy. I won't, so sometimes I look at it and go, like, that don't even deserve a reply. And then it's like, oh, yeah, what's, what's the matter? You said I'm always welcome at your show. Yeah, not the morning of the fight. So essentially, that so, Naz just get organised. Definitely Naz. And then what he does is, I speak to Adam Smith or Barney, and they go, oh, Naz has been on for tickets. You know what I mean? Next thing, Naz has got about 14 different tickets in ringside for family and friends. Final round, Eddie. This has been about half an hour long. Exactly. I know, it's going well. Right, round six, boxing essentials. So this is all about being in isolation. If you had one item, only one to pick, what would it be? Phone. What? Phone? Phone. Phone. What do you phone. think? If you, hadn't, if you hadn't had phone or, or social media in isolation, you would be what? Yeah, I think I just, I think my mind would just go like into the wilderness and I just think I'd just end up just wandering off somewhere, really. All right, so, one, one dish or meal to eat repeatedly. In isolation. Do you know what? Yeah. I had a pizza last night. Pizzas are so underrated. What you pizza? Know? I had a chicken, like a chicken Arabiata style pizza. And then I went on and ate my daughter's, about three quarters of her cheese and tomato margarita as well which was really nice. It was good because I did a Peloton and then I did about half an hour run and then I had two pizzas. So, I mean, you know, counterproductive. But then as my wife said, well, you would have eaten the pizzas anyway. So at least you did a workout. Do you cook? Do you cook in yes. your house? love to cook. What's, what's, ooh, what's your dish? My dish is probably, uh, it's a toss up between a lobster linguine, right? Which I'm, you know, is, is, is uh, very soft or, Prawn, scallops, chorizo, um, in like a spicy tomato sauce on, on some nice wild rice. Oh, lovely. Sounds delicious. One film or one song? What would you film? Um, probably Jerry Maguire is, is, the, is, the, uh, is the film. And what song? Hmm. <laughs> that good? Sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. That one. All oh, the cats are like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could have one dream boxing hero, your dream boxing hero to spend isolation with, who would it be? Muhammad Ali. What would you ask him? I wouldn't ask him anything. I would just listen. So I, I don't think, I think, that those kind of people, they're people that you don't really even have to ask questions to. You just, you have conversations and, and the tales, the knowledge, it just, it just rolls off the tongue. So what fight, what fight would you watch on repeat with him? With Ali, I'd watch Joshua Klitschko. Yeah, that's what I'd do. And, um, do you know there's some great heavyweight fights? I'd, I'd watch the great, I'd watch some great modern day heavyweight fights that you know he might not have been around for or might have not have been well for. Like fight, fights like Holyfield Boat, you know, go back and watch those fights. I mean they're just like another level, you know. 
So what I would do is I would get him round and I'd get a few I'd get AJ, Dillian, Chisora, Dave Allen, Parker, a couple of their boys, and I'd get them all, all on FaceTime. On FaceTime. No, on FaceTime. I'll be like this. All right, mate, how you doing? <laughs> that would be epic, wouldn't it? We're out of time, Eddie. Oh, well, sorry about that. It's supposed to, how long is it supposed to be? 18 minutes? Well, obviously, yeah, six three-minute yeah. rounds. Yeah. Hey, hey. Um, yeah. Down there dancing up there, but thinking. Uh, it's probably I... about 25 minutes, so I don't know what you're going to do. Obviously, there was, a lot, there was a lot of gold in there, so you've got to think about extending the show, obviously. Yeah, well, thank you very much for doing the rounds with us. You know, it's like an extended version. Yes. Timekeeping is definitely not your thing. Um, no. Stay safe in lockdown. What's the agenda for the rest of the day? Uh, do some more homeschooling now. The great thing yeah. about this was you got me out of half an hour of homeschooling. That's why I was extending my answers. Um, and a little bit more homeschooling, workout, another conference call at five o'clock. And that's it. <laughs>